Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Hey, Aaron, it's almost Christmas. It is almost Christmas, like two days from, from today. I know. And I don't know, you may remember, I said I didn't know how December was going to go. Well, here it is. <laughs> We're recording two days before Christmas. Yeah, we, we got one in. We managed to do it. Uh, so what that means is that Boba Fett is now less than a week away. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's crazy. It is Like, crazy. time really just, like, goes. And you're like, oh, it's already the end of December. Huh. We're How in that, that strange <laughs> new world now where it's not Star Wars movies that we're looking forward to. It's, like, the next TV show. Right. It's, like, weird. It's, you know, that was, it was always before. It was like, oh, when's the next movie coming out? But now right. it's like, when's the next TV show coming out? We don't even really know anything about movies. It's like I know. I know nothing about movies. So I bought recently, speaking of Boba Fett, the new like track outfit from her universe. You know, they've had that Ahsoka one. It was like a, it was our universe. The jacket that says Tano across the front and then the blue pants that have the snaps on the side, like the tearaway pants. Well, they brought out a Boba Fett version of that. And the second I saw it, I was like, purchase <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure i could pull off the the tracksuit look i don't know i i really like it and it's nice comfy clothes um but but i ordered an extra small in the jacket which i knew for sure and i ordered an extra small in the pants because it's our universe but they're a little snug so I wore them on the plane to Hawaii and I kept popping one of the snaps open with my hip. <laughs> so luckily I had worn shorts underneath. Speaking of, before we get into things, I was just in Hawaii, you guys. <laughs> you were just in Hawaii. I was. And oh my goodness, it was gorgeous. And I got there like right after they had had uh, all the big rains and stuff. And I kid you not. The day we were leaving, um, when we got back to Texas, we checked the weather and it had started raining. In Hawaii? Yeah. Oh, man. It was funny, but I was surprised at like how much I really liked it and how gorgeous it was and how the sand is different there than the sand here. And I was in absolute heaven like the entire time. And I've always known I should probably live near the beach, but now I'm like, maybe I'll just move to Hawaii. Yeah, it sounds like a good life goal. I drove through a rainbow. When does that happen ever? Ever. It was so cool. The food was really good, too. Now you're just making all of us Northeasterners jealous. Yeah, sorry. Sorry because about that. I've just been sitting here in like 20, 30 degree weather. So. Yeah, I got to meet Disney characters. I'm assuming they wouldn't have any Star Wars characters. No, 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 they don't. They don't really have much Star Wars at all. The only thing they had is they had two 
little Star Wars outfits for the new MOs. That's it. Oh. I looked for Star Wars things. There was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. But it was fine. Like, you know, it was good. It was good. But, you know, merchandise is hard getting there. So they didn't have as much stuff as they've had in the past from videos I've seen and stuff like that. So that well, was kind of You brought your about... own Star Wars with you because you wore the, the Ahsoka Tano tracksuit. So. No, I wore the Boba Fett tracksuit. I mean Boba Fett. I almost took Ahsoka, but I did. So you did something cool recently, which is not a surprise that you did this because Spider-Man's like your favorite Marvel character. Yes. So, Although that's not probably not too unique of a thing. I think a lot of people think Spider-Man's cool, right? Well, yeah, but I'm just pointing it out. Yeah, it's Don't true. tear yourself down and lift <laughs> yourself up. So it's such a basic like who's your favorite marvel superhero it's like spider-man so basic you're so basic <laughs> <laughs> no but it's true he is he's definitely my favorite superhero and uh yeah i got to be on another podcast that's hosted by um matt rushing mm-hmm. and it's 602 club he asked if i would come on and help him review the latest spider-man movie which i had seen over the weekend and absolutely loved it but i won't I won't give any spoilers, although I think spoilers are like basically all over the place now. Um, but yeah, so I got to be on that podcast. So if you're interested in hearing me talk about the latest Spider-Man movie, you can check that out on the latest episode of the 602 Club. Yep. And a little plug for me. We just recorded our most recent episode of Fangirls Going Rogue, which should be coming out by the time this show is out. And it is all about Stephen Sondheim. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know, uh, Aaron, but Fangirls Going Rogue has taken a new a new turn. Uh, we're no longer only covering Star Wars stuff, and we are doing shorter 30-minute type episodes and releasing two or three a month now. So we cover a lot of new topics over there. So if you haven't been listening to Fangirls Going Rogue, we reviewed Ted Lasso recently. We did... Oh my gosh, I'm blanking because we've covered like so many random topics now. Okay. Um, but we're yeah, we decided to open it up a yeah, little bit. Sounds like it. And do different things, mainly because if we didn't, we'd just be beating a dead horse over and over and over again <laughs> with the same Star Wars stuff. <laughs> be like, oh, what happened? Uh, people talked about Boba Fett. Boba Fett's coming out. It's not out yet, but it's coming out. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, so we've been doing a few other things here and there. Well, even with your Hawaii vacation, you still found time to read the latest High Republic book. I did, I did. I did audiobook, as per usual, for you guys, so that I could give you guys a review of that. Oh, you did audiobook? I for did. For some reason, I thought you weren't going to do audiobook this time. So, we'll get into it after we read the summary. Okay. I'll fill in the details on that um news wise there's not a lot of news other than boba fett does start in about a week um and it's going to be new episodes on wednesdays there is a little short featurette few minutes on disney plus that you can check out that tamir morrison talks and dave filoni and I was just going to say Dave, and then I realized people might not know who I'm talking about. Mr. Filoni. Mr. Filoni. 
And I'm trying to think if there's anything else that has come out Star Wars-wise that's worth talking about right now, news-wise. I don't think so. I think it's pretty much about it. Uh, we already talked about the next wave of High Republic books that are coming. Um, and the one kind of news thing that I have is about audiobooks, but we're going to talk about that in a minute when we get into our review of the High Republic. All right. Out of the Shadows. Yes. High Republic Out of the Shadows. Yes. Publisher Disney Lucasfilm. And this one was by Justina Ireland. Release date was July 27th. So this is the la- I think this is the last High Republic novel that we need to get caught up on until the new ones come out. I think so. And this is the YA novel. Ah, so YA. Do you want to do the publisher summary? Sure. The publisher summary is, The darkest secrets are the hardest to bring to light. Sylvester Yarrow is on a streak of bad luck with no end in sight. She's been doing her best to keep the family cargo business going after her mom's death, but between mounting debt and increasing attacks by the Nihil on unsuspecting ships, Syl is in danger of losing all she has left of her mother. She heads to the galactic capital of Coruscant for help, but gets sidetracked when she's drawn into a squabble between two of the Republic's most powerful families over a patch of space on the frontier. Tangled up in familial politics is the last place Syl wants to be, but the promise of a big payoff is enough to keep her interested. Meanwhile, Jedi Knight Vernestra Rowe has been summoned to Coruscant, but with no idea of why or by whom. She and her Padawan, Imri Kantaros, arrive at the capital along with Jedi Master Comic Vitus and his Padawan, Wreath Silas, and are asked to assist with the property dispute on the frontier. But why? What is so important about an empty patch of space? The answer will lead Vernestra to a new understanding of her abilities and take Syl back to the past and to truths that will finally come out of the shadows. Interesting title, too, because the, there was a book, Into the Dark. Right. There's a lot of this, it's, like... Now it's out of the shadows. It's like... Yeah. It's it, almost it, like they had a team of people coming up with this stuff together. Huh. Weird. <laughs> but we did get a lot of character crossover in this one. Yep. From previous books that we've read and a lot of like key characters that at least names that I was like, oh, okay, like Vernesta Rowe. Like she's someone who we had seen in a significant role in the very first book we reviewed. And then she's kind of been sprinkled in here and there. But this is kind of the first one that, I mean, obviously written by the same author um, that it's kind of the first one that she's gotten more of a central role. She's the only character that has been in every single High Republic book. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Every single one. It's hard to keep track of because Wikipedia can be helpful when you look up, you know, yeah. character appearances. But even if they just appeared in like one like sentence, it counts, right? So like when I'm looking at these characters, like, oh, which books have featured these characters? It's kind of hard to remember because it's like, well, were they really in the book or did they just have like one line? You know, was it more of a cameo? So, yeah, I couldn't remember how much she had been in the different books, but I know that she had been really focused on, and I'm blanking on the title, but that first Justine Ireland, like junior novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was there with Emery. And so it was kind of cool to see those characters because we had seen them kind of together in that junior novel, but now we're seeing the same author writing them in a YA novel so it's a little bit aged up from a perspective and um 
So you're kind of seeing the characters grow. You are. And what's interesting is that not all of these books are written by the same author, but yet they they have found a way for the characters to stay true to how the characters presented in all of the books that you see them in. So they're all writing them slightly different, but you don't notice the differences really, which I think is really cool because one of them could write Vernestra in one way where one writes Vernestra completely different. And I think that's, it's likely that a team of people who thought this up. And we've talked about how there's like so many characters in the High Republic, almost too many characters to follow. Right. But Vernestra is definitely one that I would say is kind of in that, you know, inner circle of characters that Mm -hmm. seem to be the main characters. And she's one that they focused on a couple times now. And she does, like you said, pop up in all the other books in some way, even if it's a small way. And then she's also been, she's popped up in the comics too. So she's, I mean, if you have a list of like, you know, who are the top five main characters of the High Republic? I feel like she would be in that top five. I feel like she's actually probably the main character. Um, I don't, yeah. I think we thought it might be, uh, oh, what, Avar Chris, but I really think it's actually probably Vernestra and Reith are supposed to be like the main characters throughout. And, but, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But I definitely feel like Vernestra is, and she's actually my favorite. So, right. Yeah, you could you could definitely make an argument that she maybe is the the key character. I just did. But I would say <laughs> Avar Chris gets a lot more focus in the comics. Yeah. Whereas Vernestra doesn't really show up there much. Um, so if you're more of a comics reader, you'd probably lean more that she's kind of the main character. But um, and then who is the who's the guy with the like uh, Charhound that you really like? I'm I'm forgetting his name now. Oh God! Padawan with the he's got the the charhound that's with him all the time. I don't know. I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. Oh but my gosh, names. The books that he's shown up in, I feel like he really was kind of a main character. So yeah, there's probably, like I said, maybe a top five. You could have a list of people, but but <laughs> Vern, as she le- doesn't like to be called, is definitely a favorite of mine as well. Cool. And she's got some interesting stuff that happens to her in this book. Um, if we want to kind of focus on her for a little bit, she's, you know, she is now a knight and has her own Padawan. And we kind of saw how that happened in that first book. And we can see in this book how she's not really super confident yet in that role. And she's struggling with how she can, you know, relate with Emery. Emery's got these kind of powers where he feeds off people's emotions and she doesn't really have that same kind of thing going on. So she's having a hard time relating with him. Um, so they're kind of sticking to the theme with her character that she's super talented and has progressed, but is also not very confident in herself. Yeah, you know, Vernestra being so young is impressive of being a Jedi Knight, but also remembering that she is so young. And now having to teach someone that is roughly the same age as she is, she's running into some struggles that I think are really unique because usually you're looking at an adult with a Padawan that's a kid, you know. And so there's some wisdom that goes into that because of the years that you've lived and things you've experienced. Whereas here, she's having to try to navigate that 
and it's not as easy as she thought it would be. She thought it would be easy to, I think they even say this in the book, she thought it would be easy to just impart like her Jedi knowledge. She didn't realize that she was actually also trying to teach Emery to grow up and be a human, <laughs> you know? or be a person in the galaxy. And so now she's having to do that. And I don't think she was as prepared for that. Not only that, but she hasn't really honed all of her talents and skills at this point. Right. Yeah. She's still growing as a Jedi. And I think there are even moments where some of the Jedi that she come across, some of the like older Jedi almost question that maybe they gave her that responsibility too soon. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of hurts her confidence as well. Of course, anytime you're a young person and you have an adult kind of questioning you, um, you, you start to think, oh, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not ready for this. Right. Uh, and so she has to struggle with that. And, and, she's, and she kind of has interactions with other kind of younger Jedi who haven't quite made it as far as she has. You know, so we see Reed Silas shows up in this book. Um, which we've seen him previously in, in other books. And um, we kind of see that they're friends. And he's, I can't remember if he's older than her or like. No, know. they're in the same class. Basically, a lot of the other Jedi that are around her age, it it causes them to sort of struggle with their own confidence and some feelings of envy and jealousy uh, that they wouldn't normally have to deal with because of the fact that she's already a Jedi Knight. And so it creates some tension between her and her peers. Right. And Wreath, I think, I didn't get that vibe from him, that he, he seemed to be, you know, very respectful of the fact that she's, you know, reached the, the levels that she's reached and didn't seem to be too bothered by it. And he kind of has, like, he's friends with her, but he also kind of, I think, even you know, sees her as someone who like he, I don't know, he kind of crushes on her a little bit. Yeah. yeah like he, he's definitely got a bit of a crush, but he never, they never really explore that in this book. They just mention that he kind of like sees her in that way. And mm-hmm. they kind of have a couple different moments in the book where, where he has a, a bit of a reaction where like he maybe, you know, his, his face flushes or, or, or he thinks, uh, Oh yeah. Like she's really cool kind of thing. But I was happy they didn't go too far with that. Of course you were. Yeah. They did have a lot of that throughout the entirety of the book, though. Uh, different characters kind of being like, ooh, I kind of like that person. You know, like, I think multiple characters had a crush on Vern. Um, we obviously have the relationship that we'll talk about later between the two characters who had broken up. Um, and then you had, you even have Nan, another character from, from Into the Dark, who's a who has a big crush on um, Marcion Rowe. Yeah, that's so weird. So, yeah, there, there were a lot of mentions of of uh, notable crushes. Well, it's a YA book. Yeah. It True. sort of naturally comes along with that reading genre. It's one of the staples of it. We were introduced to a new character, which I didn't realize was a new character, and I'll admit that, but Silvestri Yarrow... Mm-hmm. is uh, a brand new character. She who, is. Who I thought was someone else when I first started Oh, reading. you thought it was the girl from that has the rock friend. Yes, I did. 
It's not uh, her. What was her name? Uh, Affy? Sure. Affy Hollow, I think. Uh, <laughs> Rock Girlfriend. When I started this book. <laughs> what book was that? That was... That was Into the Dark as well. Was it? Yeah. So that was Into the Dark, Affy Hollow, and she had already, they had met Wreath, right. Silas, and his master in that On book. On the Dringir planet ship thing. Yes, exactly. So when this book started, I don't know why I just thought it was the same character, and there were similarities, I guess, between, you know, kind of the role that the character played and the fact that she had a mom who had died and they well, they were both a part of the bind guild and they were part of that guild. And I just, for at least the first couple chapters and the entire introduction of this character, I thought it was the same character. I and, figured out pretty quick. It wasn't because they never mentioned rock boy. Well, that's where I started to get confused. Cause I'm like, where's her crew? Like, where's the rest of them? And, and like they were talking about the crew she was working with and, there was like a Celestin and I'm, I'm like, who are these people? Like, did she, it just didn't all fit. So then I was thinking, okay, this isn't the same character. I'm, I'm mistaken. And I figured it out pretty quick, but it, it was definitely, you know, that first introduction of her, I was assuming it was the same character. And then I Googled it and pulled up, oh no, that's Afi Hollow. It's a whole different character, but they definitely had some similar kind Very. of backstory. I agree because I initially thought the same thing, but then when they introduced her crew and there was no rock boy, I was like, oh, not the same person. <laughs> So, but she's definitely, um, I would say she's a central character, if not the main character of this book. In this book, yeah, for sure. Uh, um, And interesting that they decided to introduce a new character as opposed to, you know, continuing to use some of the characters they've already introduced. So they're they're continuing to add to this long list of, of characters that we have to follow. And they're in different parts of the the galaxy, though. That's the thing. So. In this story, definitely. she yeah, especially with what happens in the story, she's has to be her. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a whole. Once you get into the book, you realize okay, this is a whole different thing that they're introducing. Um, the last book that we read, well, I won't race to Crash Point Tower, but also the book before that, we're basically covering the same story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was very focused on the Nile being the threat. And then they left some cliffhangers with what's going on with Marcion Rowe and Lorna D and all of that and her kind of breaking off. And so they, there's some threads that connect to this book, but this is almost like they're introducing like a whole new threat. Like maybe the, the Nile will only be, only go so far into the High Republic stuff until they're no longer the major threat. And it's more these these other things that they're introducing in this book. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we already kind of knew that they were developing like these weapons and things. So I feel like it is kind of all related, but maybe I'm wrong. No, you're right. You're right. I think it was more the introduction of these big families. Mm, that... Yeah, but I'm really interested in that because like you hear the name Santeca and you're like, whoa, what? Yes. Right. Yeah, that's what I was kind of talking to is like the the introduction of these families that we had kind of been given little hints to like they've mentioned the Santecas previously to this. Uh, now we have the idea of the Graf family, mm-hmm. which is also a family that's kind of been sprinkled into other, um, you know, books previous to this uh, and that aren't even High Republic. 
Yeah. And you see these kind of big families that are like pulling the strings, these wealthy families. And it's like, oh, okay, interesting. Like we already had the Nile, we have the Gear, and now they're introducing the what? Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they're, they're introducing this new layer of like, okay, not only do you have those threats that are very obvious, but you have these other people who are kind of behind the scenes and very wealthy and have all this influence that could be using it for good or evil. And, you know, in this book, we find out the Graf family, for the most part, seems to be using it for, for bad things. Well, of course they are. They're rich, snobby people. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really like the introduction of these families and getting to learn more about the Santecas. And one of the characters we're going to talk about soon, she is a Santeca, even though her last name isn't Santeca. And then the graph specifically you're introduced to Xylan graph, which by the way, Xylan is a really cool name. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm like, okay, I like that name. And you know, I think he was an interesting character. He was a kind of, he's one of those characters that I think is interesting, but also just gets on my nerves. He's, uh, he's kind of Lando-esque. No, but see, but Lando is cool and charming. But I see where you're going with that. Like, he has Lando vibes, but he's annoying. There's a difference. He's younger, so younger yeah. usually means annoying. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's that wow. he hasn't matured to the the smoothness yet. You know, he's still kind of figuring that out. But he, and he also comes, whereas I I think there's only small you know comparisons to Lando because there's a lot that's a lot different about the two characters. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but I think that he. I want you to say that to your son. Younger means annoying. Oh, my my son knows that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah, this character is very wealthy, and you know likes to flaunt it. Has a sense of style, like Lando, mm-hmm. uh, and they note they they kind of make it a point to point out like the different outfits he's wearing, and you know, kind of um, even how his like hair looks and his his facial hair and all the little details about his style because that is a kind of a part of his character. Is right. not only is he kind of this wealthy person that's pulling strings and doing bad things, but he's also um, pulling strings and doing bad things. Doing yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he also has a sense of style and uh and kind of can he's he definitely has some smoothness where he can kind of you know he manipulates people too like he even ha he has the even though Silvestri is not trusting him mm-hmm. she still kind of goes along with what he wants her to do she right? wants the money yeah and he knows he Hang knows on. how to and a ship he knows how to get her on his side you know of it's course like, he knows how to manipulate he read her well you know what I think is funny and something I've discovered over our time doing this show, specifically now that we review all different levels of books? You're a wonderful dad, but you don't really like kids. <laughs> <laughs> I just say it. I just think it's funny. But That's, I, that's I think... maybe a simple way of, of putting it, but I think when it comes to fiction – and I th- I've readily admitted this, so this shouldn't be any sort of you know major revelation. But when it does come to fiction, even like movies, TV shows, books, teenage characters that are like coming of age aren't characters I tend to be able to relate with very well. Oh, I can't wait until Quinn is a preteen. Yeah. Oh, believe me, that's <laughs> gonna be a whole thing. But 
I feel like he's only nine and he's already kind of there, but he's getting there. Kids grow up so fast, right? But I yeah, wow. so Sorry. I, you know, I, you're right. So I think it's not that I don't like kids, but in fiction, I tend to relate more with uh, characters who have been through more, experienced life, who kind of have some of that, you know, street smarts and knowledge that a lot of times these up and coming characters are still learning. So that's really interesting. I, you're right. It's not a revelation, but at the same time, it is really interesting to me. Because I guess that is an area of life that, like, I really enjoy. Because I do like seeing the evolution that kids go through from that, like, 13, 14-year-old range, you know, as they start to become functioning members of society. Like, I like seeing that growth. And I don't know if it's because of the job that I do or whatever but probably. it probably I mean, is. I, I think it yeah. definitely has something to do with it you know i i, do, I think it correlates for sure uh, i just think that's interesting huh yeah. mm-hmm. huh the things you learn and this book is full of coming of age characters so like literally all of them right which is a i mean it's a <laughs> ya novel you kind of that's what you you would expect that's what you pick up and read so uh <laughs> So uh, yeah, like Master Comac, I think might might have been the only character that had any it's kind of significant adult, role. Really, <laughs> I know, right? Oh that gosh. was in that range. That is typically characters I relate with more. So, um, but it didn't it didn't make it so I didn't like the book. I thought the characters were all really well done, and yeah. and they didn't lean too too hard into some of those you know teenager tropes. No, but you know what? That's one of the things I think they've done really well when they were mapping out this whole High Republic project is they've really made these characters well-rounded. Right. Yeah. And so, so so Silvestri was a character that I found interesting and she, she's unique. Like she's very unique in her personality. She's very abrasive. She doesn't trust people. And, and then they give us an extra layer of, you know, this character, Jordana, who, you know, she had, had kind of mentioned that she had this ex and then she ends up meeting back up with her. And so mm-hmm. you have that layer where you have this rough side of Silvestri, but then she also is completely, you know, head over heels for this other character and, you know, it kind of breaks down her walls. So I thought she was a very complex character and, you know, interesting for sure to read about. Right. And Jordana Sparkburn, that's who Aaron just mentioned, she is a member of the Santeca family. And part of the reason that Syl and Jordana couldn't stay together is because they both had responsibilities to their families. Because at the time, Silvestri is with the Vine Guild and with her mom and all that stuff. And Jordana is, you know, working with the Santeca family and they have those obligations to their families. So, but this sort of brings them back around together, which is interesting. And also, I mean, I know it's not the first, but congratulations, Justina Ireland, for putting a uh, a same-sex couple in a book. And giving her such a cool name. That too. Sparkburn. Yeah. Sparkburn, I love it. <laughs> it's it's but, very much in the in like vein of like Skywalker, you know, kind of. Right. But I think one of the the reason I say that is because Star Wars has done a lot of like what Disney has done where they hint at things without actually saying it, you know, whereas Marvel has done it 
completely differently. <laughs> you know, they like actually just go out there and like just say what it is. Uh, so I'm really glad that Star Wars is starting to move that direction. You know, even if it's just in a book, but yeah, it's in a novel. Yeah, yeah, it's, but still, but still, the not. I mean, I was like, High Republic has been full of, of you know, they haven't shied away. No, they from, haven't. But from these I topics, just, so. I just think it's good. It right. is progress, not just for the sake of progress. So, oh my gosh, we haven't really talked about Nan, but you did bring her up a minute ago. Yeah, she. Has this weird infatuation with Marcian Rowe that I just don't understand. But by the end of the book, she kind of she kind of turns. She, she kind of has to. <laughs> she, yeah, she has to, but she does, which I find interesting. I, I think her kind of her obsession with that character, with Marcian Rowe, kind of looking at him and being like, "Oh, he's you know," she she talks about him taking his helmet off and like how how attractive he is and everything. It's it's kind of a reflection of fandom in a way, because he is one of those characters that, you know, sparks that interest. Like he's got that dark, kind of brooding personality with the long flowing locks or whatever, and people are like, yeah. oh, he's you know he's bad, but he's still he's still pretty hot, you know. So I think she's kind of having that similar reaction, mm. um, but she's also very subservient to him and and like almost afraid of him. Yeah, you know. And I don't think she has any kind of aspirations to be like, oh, maybe I could be with him. I think it's more of like this, like from afar kind of attraction. Um, but yeah, she's put into a situation where he, you know, sends her off to essentially protect this, um, who they call the Oracle, right? Is that they were called? Uh, savant? Yeah, I think I think they were referring to her as the Oracle. Um, but it's it's basically Ma- this Mari this Santeca. Mari Santeca. And, you know, she's a, she's a character who has been throughout the different stories and, you know, kind of the explanation as to why the, the Nihil have this access to do this stuff with hyperspace. Mm-hmm. And so she's been given this this task of essentially kind of protecting her. And so, like you said, at the end of the book, when she decides to go away from Marcion Rowe and not return to him, it's probably because she failed in her mission and uh, Santeca died. Right. And she knows if she goes back to Marcion Rowe, most likely he's going to kill her. So she's like, she's an opportunist, just like Sylvester. Yeah, just like Sylvester, um, where she's like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put myself in that situation just to be killed. Like, let me take the next best offer. (laughs) True. Which happens to be from the Graf family. So um, there's definitely these, these kind of family lines being yeah, drawn. one one powerful family to another. Like who's on what side? So, um, and I like Nan is an is an interesting character. I thought her introduction in Into the Dark, where we don't really know, you know, they don't reveal till later that she's part of the Nile and she's been kind of, you know, leading Wreath on, and to kind of, needs to get control of his emotions. He's a teenager. I know. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought the reintroduction of her character was was kind of cool, and and I like she's an interesting character. I don't necessarily like her methods or think she's a good person, but she's definitely fun to read about. I would agree with that. She brings some spice to things, 
And so you don't really know exactly like what she's thinking. I mean, her first introduction in this book, she wants to murder some kid. Yes. Who is a kid. I believe it's the same kid from the comics. Oh, okay. Okay. Who's been brought into the fold. uh, And he was kind of more of a central character in the comics, but she, and she does like, I think at least once, if not twice, just brutally murders people. That's true. That she had a disagreement with. So, which is ends up kind of hurting her at one point because she does it to someone who, um, who reports to Lorna D and and has this association with who we find out Sylvester's Sylvester's mom, mm-hmm. and then she ends up getting kind of put in prison because of that. So, well, let's kind of go there. Uh, in the summary of this book, we talk about that Sylvester is dealing with the death of her mom. Come to find out, she's not dead. She's not dead. And she is not dead. She faked her own death. And know who know who figured it out first? The Gungan scientist. <laughs> Thaddeus, Thaddeus Wolk, which uh, doesn't really sound like a Gungan name, but I guess... I don't know. <laughs> what do they all have to sound like, Jar Jar? Jar Jar... Um, I don't know what how many Gungans we actually know their names. That's true. I don't but know. There's like Tarples, Jar Jar, uh, you know, so I don't know. I guess Thaddeus. I guess that could be a Gungan name. Such a weird name, though. But I thought it was funny that they – it's almost like they're trying to say – because it's happened in other books where they've introduced a Gungan character that wasn't like a Gungan that we've seen in the movie where, you know, that – kind of stereotypical like the way that Jar Jar talks and the way he acts and he's silly and it's almost like he's not kind of the most intelligent being mm-hmm. and so now they're like well here's a Gungan that's a scientist so look there's some intelligent ones <laughs> didn't they have a Gungan in that one book with our hacker Ewok they Wasn't definitely there? had a Gungan that was you know featured who was completely normal you know character um and not silly like jar jar and i can't remember what book it was in but yeah you're right for some reason i feel like it was in hacker ewok book maybe possibly (laughs) that was a fun story (laughs) but yes you like you said chancy yarrow she's not dead she's actually helping to build the weapon that the nihil are using uh, that Lorna D was overseeing. Right. The gravity's heart. Mm, yes, that's the name of it. So they're really trying to continue to manipulate hyperspace. And I guess what the way they described it was what Martian Rowe was doing with with the Oracle was a little bit more haphazard. Mm. Whereas they're trying to like dial it in and get very specific with what they can do with um, hyperspace and pulling things out of hyperspace in a very specific way. And and so they, you know, it was kind of this con where they were tricking Martian Rowe into providing them with, you know, the the Oracle uh, for their research. And then they stole information from her to help finish what they were doing. But then to, you know, not to help Martian Rowe out, but to help the Graf family out mm-hmm. and to kind of turn on Martian Rowe. So it was, you know, once that stuff started getting revealed at the end of the book, because kind of throughout the book, I was like, eh, this is okay book, you know whatever but then i got to the end and they started revealing this stuff and i was like oh okay that's kind of cool like i didn't expect some of these bigger reveals that seem to have a bigger impact on where the high republic story is going right right but 
Comac uh, Vitus, he does call in reinforcements, Jedi reinforcements, and they're working on this gravity's heart thing, but then the Jedi do manage to destroy it. Uh, so, but we know that Chansey Yarrow goes off to go continue working on more of these or another one or right. something, I think. Right. Yeah. Like it will continue. She's still, she's still working with the graphs and, and now they have Nan working with them. So I think that family's still going to be kind of a big deal moving forward. And it seems like they're kind of saying the graphs are kind of the bad ones, but then Santecos are the ones that so far have been pretty good. And so, like, if you're going to say which side is, you know, good and bad, it, it looks like graphs are bad, Santecos are good. Yeah, and Silvestri stays on the side of the Santecas uh, while her mom goes off to do bad things, which is interesting because you're seeing her having to make that choice between family and what's right and what's wrong. And because it seems like the Santecas are trying to protect all of these pathways and all of this area of this like frontier that is still unknown. And they're trying to protect that. Whereas the graphs are trying to exploit it. Right. That is, it does seem like the way that it's going and we know the Santecas are connected to, you know, the Santeca that we see in The Force Awakens and kind of the, we know there's a connection even with the Santecas and the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it definitely does seem like the Santecas are kind of more of the, the ones that are going to be shown in a more of a positive light. But, but Jordana, you know, she's, she's kind of a, a gray character, right? Like she's, yeah, she's definitely helping the good guys, but she has a dark side to her. And they, they really highlighted that. in that scene where she, she's throwing that kind of like, I don't even know what you would call it, but some kind of light disc. Yeah. It's almost like a lightsaber in, in disc form, but she's throwing that thing around and just chopping Nile in half. And, um, and even though Ernesto is like, Hey, you know, I think you've done enough. You can stop now. And she keeps doing it. It takes Vernester like three times to finally get her to stop. And when, um, and when, um, Silvestri sees the results of what Jordana did, she's kind of like questioning like, Oh man, maybe I'm falling for someone who I don't really know. Maybe. So, well, and then, you know, at the same time we have Vernestra dealing with these visions. Mm. Apparently she's been dealing with these since she was a Padawan and having these visions of things that haven't occurred and she doesn't really know what to do with them. And then Mari Santeca ends up being sort of the, I guess the reason that she's kind of having these visions and Mari passes on knowledge that she has to Vernestra, which she chooses not to share with the order, which I find interesting. It is interesting that she does, she does gain that information, which seems pretty important. Like she's gotten this hyperspace route that's been kind of etched into her memory. Mm -hmm. And so she, they say in the book, like she'll always remember it. And, and it goes to a dark place that many haven't been, or I forget how exactly they described it. But so I think that location 
is going to play into the future of you know some something that's going to happen in the future of these books and yeah she doesn't she decides not to share it with anyone except um emery i guess she did share it with he's mm-hmm. the only one uh and she hasn't even shared the fact that she has a light whip with with other people too so right. she does seem to be holding stuff close to her chest and you want you kind of wonder why because she seems to trust the the leadership that she's with but this is almost indicating she doesn't think they would make the right decisions about it yeah so it's it's interesting insight from kind of a younger upcoming jedi like maybe the people who are currently leading the jedi wouldn't wouldn't use this wisely yep which is really interesting Hmm. i'm kind of curious how that's going to play out yeah, definitely. Honestly, yeah, it was a, it was definitely an interesting twist at the end, and I thought it was interesting that they killed off um, uh, Santeca, you know, Mari. Well, I mean, she... this woman has been kept alive essentially by machines for you know years and years and years. Yeah. So I feel like it's a kindness. Oh, definitely, <laughs> it definitely. You know, you kind of were happy for her that she was able to finally kind of, you know, rest in peace, I guess. Yeah, but, she's no longer a slave to people using her. But she seemed to be such a key part of what Marcion Rowe was doing, and it'll be interesting to see his reaction. And I thought they would give it to us at the end of this book. I thought, oh, we're going to get a scene where he finds out and freaks out and kills kills people. But they're saving that. I guess for <laughs> for something else. So that'll be an interesting reaction because I think he relied a lot on on her, and a lot of people I don't think even knew that. So right, you know, his his power over the Nihil may be lessened without his ability to do these things. Well, and it's been kind of lessening because you saw that with Lorna D and the other, um, oh, what are they called? Not strike leaders, but um yeah i know whatever. I, I know what you mean i know what you mean but yeah i'm not I'm you know they had that. like this whole this whole thing that went down in the last book between them and marcian rowan wanting to split away from him and not needing him anymore and stuff like that right and so yeah i mean i think his grip is definitely he's starting to lose it for sure and he knows it yes yes so I like it. I like what they're they're introducing some layers of complexity. You know, it's not just oh, we got the Nihil in the Drengear. Like, I think, I think adding these new layers with the with the Graf family, or even just this power struggle within the Nihil, it's gonna it's gonna make the future storytelling more interesting. Oh yeah, it's very cool. So, as far as the way that we read this, you read book, right? I did both. I actually, I read book, but I also did audiobook. So, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I did audiobook. And one of the things that, this is the first time that I've noticed this, and I did actually get confirmation of this from Disney Lucasfilm Press that the YA and middle grade novels, the audiobooks are no longer being produced by Penguin Random House. They are now being produced in-house within the Disney 
press department or Disney press department, Disney. Um, what am I trying to say? Publishing, Disney publishing. They are now being done by Buena Vista books. So there is a different production quality. There's going to be different authors, different sounds. They're going to sound different than what we've been used to with Star Wars books, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I think the young reader and young adult middle grade might actually just benefit a little bit more from a audiobook publishing perspective that does audiobooks for younger readers versus one that just does a lot of stuff for adult readers. So, I don't did, know. Did you notice any kind of difference? Yeah, I did. I noticed a difference um, with the overall like sound production of it. I noticed a difference as far as the way that some of the things are pronounced. Uh, I noticed, obviously, there's a difference at the beginning when they introduce the books. Uh, but I did. I There was a, a significant difference to me between the two. And that's because, I'm, I mean, I mostly read all of our books via audiobook. You know, so I can kind of tell. They didn't throw in, like, a whole bunch of extraneous sounds and noises. You know, um, they kept it very simple, which right. I actually did enjoy. And I really liked the the person who read this book. Kayler I can't remember Lay. her name right now. Uh, her name's Kayler Lay. There we go. Uh, I... I don't know. I, I really did like it. And so come to find out that they they have changed publishers for the audiobooks. So I don't know if that's going to have an impact on the release of the audiobooks or anything like that. It probably won't. But just a, just something to note that if you didn't really like the production quality of the Penguin Random House audiobooks, you might like these if you want something a little bit more simple. Because, you know, Penguin Random House does put in a lot of sound and stuff like that. And sometimes it can it can distract a little bit. But it has always been nice, though, to have, like, Star Wars music or some different kind of, like, traditional Star Wars sound effects in the audiobooks. But I guess we'll just have to see. Right. And I, I know there's an audience of people who really, really like the ones that have all the sound effects and music yep. and they're kind of overly produced. I tend to like the simpler audiobooks that don't overuse all that stuff. Yeah. Like you were saying, it's less distracting and I can kind of, and also a lot of it too is like, I kind of want to imagine those things myself mm -hmm. as I'm listening to it, as opposed to having like them put it in my ears. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go with these, but Kayler Lay actually was the one who did, um, Justina Ireland's first book, Test of Courage. She did mm -hmm. that audiobook as well, which I didn't remember that, but I'm seeing that now when I look her up. So I thought she did a good job. It was interesting that this is the first time I've heard Marcion Rowe in an audiobook where he didn't sound that very distinctive way mm -hmm. that, that he talks in the other books. He just kind of talked completely normal in this book. So I kind of missed that. But other than that, I thought she, you know, she nailed you know, the characters and, and did a really good job of kind of differentiating between the different character personalities and things like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Agreed. 
We also got a Yaddle cameo. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was when I saw, I had to kind of look, do a double take because I saw Yaddle's name and I'm like, wait, what? Yaddle? Uh, we, we all know Yoda is, you know, running around at this time, but I guess I didn't think about Yaddle being there as well. Yep. I kind of forgot all about that. Yeah. She got, I mean, she, she got like a couple lines, uh, but she's a character that you don't typically see pop up from, you know, very often. So when her name popped up, I was like, oh, nice little prequel character shout out there. Yay. (laughs) So overall, Overall, I liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But I mean, I'm not surprised. I've enjoyed a lot of the things that Justina Ireland has written. I've enjoyed the High Republic novels as a series. So I always am excited to read them versus other things. And yeah, so I'm not surprised that I liked it. But yeah, I did. I liked it. I liked it too. I, I like the... I like seeing the same characters that Justina Ireland kind of introduced in a junior novel mm-hmm. in the in a YA novel. Yeah. So and maybe the next one she does is an adult novel with the same characters, and we'll just get the full progression. Well, they but... seem to be rotating, you know. So if you write one, you write you write your adult novel, and you write your middle grade novel, and you write your YA novel, you know. Right. So uh, – so I did like to see these characters kind of progress in from a different lens where they're a little bit more, uh, the story's a little bit more complex and the characters seemed a little bit more mature. So I enjoyed that. Uh, I really, overall, the story was a little slow for me, but it really picked up toward the end. And I, I thought some of the mysteries that they introduced or some of the, some of the decisions they made really enhanced it at the end. So I'm excited how this ties into future storytelling. And yeah, overall, I really like this one. Mm-hmm. Well, in the next wave, uh, the adult novel is going to be Claudia Gray. The YA novel will be Daniel Jose Older. And the middle grade novel will be Justina Ireland. So she's flipping uh, she's between. Going she's going back. Yeah, to middle grade. Uh, and then. I'm trying to look, but yeah, Charles Soul did the first adult novel and then Kevin Scott, and now we're getting Claudia Gray for the next High so Republic adult novel. Maybe it's just novel. not Justina's turn yet. Maybe not. It's not her turn. <laughs> There's also the audio drama, mm-hmm. the Lorna D audio drama that we haven't covered yet and i don't know if we will we we kind of got to figure out our schedule moving into 2022 but that's one i i'm curious to maybe pick that one up now because i wonder if there's some connections because it's lorna d and what lorna d was doing you know with this with this weapon and behind marcion rose back like i wonder if some of that stuff is in that book mm-hmm. to get a little bit more information so and that was to... done by um kevin scott Right. So I have a road trip coming up that maybe oh, I'll, I'll grab that one and, and have it as my entertainment. When everyone is asleep as you're driving. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Been there. Done that. <laughs> All right. Well, 
If you guys want to get a hold of us in between shows, you can find us on social media. We're at SW Bookworms. And you can email us your thoughts on The High Republic and Out of the Shadows to StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we have our Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarWarsBookworms. And we also have our Facebook group that you can uh, join. So if you want to search for Star Wars Bookworms in Facebook groups, you can send over a request and we will let you join the group. Yeah. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. And we would love for you to leave us a review if you have the time. And you can find Teresa on Twitter and Instagram and other social medias at Ice Cold Penguin. And you can find me at AV Goins. And until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you. Merry Christmas, Life Day, Holiday Things.